Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Welcome in. Final hour of OutKick 360 on this Thursday. Chad Withrow, Paul Kuharski with you live from downtown Nashville. 6th and Peabody Studios, always having a great time. With 6th and Peabody, Old Smoky Moonshine Yeehaw Beer, great scene out in the bar area right now. Took a little lap around not too long ago. Always fun to see people in downtown Nashville having fun. Dan Dockett seems to always be having fun. Whether it's on Don't At Me on the Outkick Network, whether he's on his radio show at Indianapolis, always having a good time on TV, radio, digital, Man of many talents, of many mediums, Dan Dockage with us now. Dan, how are you, buddy? You're right. I do. I have a good time. I got my Dockage fan club shirt on. I'm my own fan club. We're going to sell these to get money for our bikes program. We're giving 31 bikes away to kids tonight at a basketball summer league. It is great, my friends. How are you? Doing great. Hey, let's start with basketball. Uh, a basketball football ripped, if you will. So John Calipari Ooh. in an interview says, Kentucky's a basketball school. All due respect to the football program. This is a basketball school. I know they won 10 games, but I need my practice facility, basically, is what he's saying. Mark Stoops comments on that quote and says, basketball school, question mark. I thought we were playing in the SEC. And then he has the hashtag, four straight postseason wins for football, which to me is a direct shot at Kentucky losing in the NCAA tournament round one to St. Peter's. Um Kentucky's a basketball school. I don't think there's any arguing that. What do you think about this little battle with Mark Stoops and John Calipari? You know, I was at a basketball school for years at Indiana, and it just is. And Kentucky is. But I'm going to tell you the biggest difference between Kentucky and Indiana. When you go to Indiana football, it's about fifteen to 22,000 people in the, in the football game. When you go to Kentucky football game, there's about fifty-six to 65,000. There's a big difference there. Indiana has never really gotten behind football. You know, uh, Kentucky has, whether or not they've been good or not. I, I thought that Cal was trying to make a point of, look, we have, and I read all this stuff in the last 20 minutes, you know, we have – uh, all these great facilities, including $200 million spent on football, now it's time for basketball. He probably could have couched it a little bit better, could have couched it a little bit more delicately. He's not wrong, but neither is Stoops. Hey, look, Stoops plays in the SEC. Stoops has won games. And the problem you have with John Calipari is normally at Kentucky he's been untouchable, but the truth of the matter is losing to St. Peter's makes you very touchable. A lot of people are enthusiastic about Kentucky football this year. It's kind of funny, fellas. I was, I was playing golf at a, at a legendary club called Medina up in Chicago, and two guys came up to me. They were kids. One went to Kentucky, one went to Eastern. And they knew me, and they're like, hey, Dan, Dockage. Yeah, they go, uh, Kentucky's going to, you know, basically they said something I could kick at, you know, backside <laughs> this year. And I'm like, I'm thinking they were talking about basketball, right? 
And I go, yeah, well, they still won't play us, meaning Kentucky basketball, Indiana. He goes, no, 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 we're talking about football. I go, really? I go, you're the first two Kentucky football fans I've ever seen in my life, right? So, hey, I think there is high expectations. I don't blame uh, Coach Stoops for coming back. And the other thing Coach Stoops did is he retweeted, you know, a couple of uh, tweets that were insulting towards Calipari's comments. So, um, never good. You don't want it. You want basketball and football to work together. Uh, and I don't blame either guy. One guy wants a practice facility, use football as an example, and the other guy's protecting his program, man. I get it. So Tom Brady, it's announced today by Todd Bowles that uh, he's going to leave the team for a period of time to deal with some personal things. And Todd Bowles goes on to say, this is something they talked about before camp even started, that he was going to participate for two weeks, take a couple weeks off, and then come back and, and gear up for the season. When you're so vague about an announcement like this, I understand privacy, and Tom Brady has every right to be private about whatever he wants to be private about. But I feel like when you don't just come out and say what it is you're doing, it leads to a lot of speculation. And, Dan, it leads to a lot of reporters snooping around trying to figure out what's going on where you could just say whatever it is you're doing. It could be a family vacation for all we know. I don't think people are going to knock Tom Brady at this point in his career if he wants to take two weeks away from training camp. What do you make of this announcement from the Bucks and how it was handled? Well, the how it's handled is basically how Tom Brady wanted it handled. You know, he's like, he's going to be vague, and I get that. My bigger issue is this. Are you coming back to play football or aren't you? Now, I understand you're the GOAT. I understand you're, you've got all these rings. I understand that everybody wants – I get all that. But that's, frankly, for Todd Bowles and this year's team, that's all in the past. Name me another time Tom Brady did this. I mean, seriously, when is the last – he's never done this. So what's going on here? You took time away. You were going to retire. Then you were going to come back. All of a sudden, you're back, and now you're taking two weeks away in the middle of training camp? Now, there's something fishy here. Uh, Paul would know better than me. Sometimes you can give out too much information, and then when you give out too much information, let me put it to you this way. My experience, whatever it is, it ain't great for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Let me just put it to you that way. What's great for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers is for Tom Brady to do what he's done, what, 23 other years, be in camp, lead your team, be the quarterback, get things going. It's hard enough to win, fellas, when everything's headed in the right direction, when everything is all of a sudden our quarterback's out here for two weeks once practice is starting. No, this isn't good for anybody. Whatever the personal issues are, I hope they're okay. I hope everybody's health is okay. I hope whatever's going on gets straightened out. But I've never seen, truthfully, where this kind of timing is good for Brady, the participant, or it's good for the organization. How could it be? Can't be. The only thing good for the organization is Tom Brady doing what Tom Brady does, is be the, you know, the GOAT. Now, I, I, I don't blame anybody when you don't want to disclose. You know, I think if, you, if it's something personal... I just don't. I, I just everybody's got their own way of handling things. Reporters are gonna dig, people are gonna dig no matter what. But this is not good. There's nothing good about this for anybody involved. Trend around the league is for uh top guys to sit in the preseason now. Uh Titans start off tonight. They're they're skipping their number one, they're skipping their number two. Malik Willis is gonna start tonight. It it just came out. Your guys are, are going to start, Matt Ryan. 
Uh, I'm, I'm wondering how you feel about measuring the, uh, the need for him to play with his guys a little bit in a new setting and the danger factor, particularly for a non-mobile quarterback. Paul, I had a great interview yesterday with uh, Chris Ballard, and we talked about, I call them saran wrap guys, right, or bubble wrap guys. You put Jonathan Taylor in a bubble wrap. I've been at practice the last two days. And the one thing that Chris Ballard and I talked about I kind of off air was, man, you know, two things. One, there's a lot of drops. Receivers are dropping the ball. And number two, in this camp, now you've been to many more camps than me, Paul, but the defense is incredibly far ahead of the offense. Now, as a head coach, you go, wait a second. Hey, is that good or bad? As a defensive coordinator, you're all happy about it. As an offense coordinator, you're not. But as a head coach, on one hand, you're going, yeah, this is great. On the other hand, you're going, well, this stinks. Paul, I, I think this shows that the timing, the rhythm between receiver and Ryan isn't very good, hasn't been very good, and they're doing everything they can, at least for a series, to put them in there to see what they can do. Now, having said that, hell, they might just run the football. I don't know. But I just know this. And talking to Chris Ballard, he wanted to get Matt Ryan in. He did not want to get Jonathan Taylor in. Uh, he wanted to get Pittman in there. He wanted to get Alex Pierce in there, who's listed as their number three receiver. In the Colts scheme, that's a starter. And they've got two tight ends, both young kids, a kid named Ogletree and a kid Oglethorpe and a kid named uh, – no, Ogletree, excuse me, and a kid named Jelani Woods. Both are incredibly looking athletic guys. And he wanted to get them in there. I'll tell you this, uh, offensively, Colts don't look very good. Now, understand, they're not running the ball. I mean, their passing game doesn't look very good. Jonathan Taylor and Naheem Hines, I think, are going to be very good. And I think that's what they wanted to do, Paul. I think they wanted to put uh, Ryan out there with his receivers at least for a series or two and get a little bit extra work in. Uh, I've, I've been there several times where you're uh, having somebody on who you rip to, to a degree, I think, me less harshly than you. What's the dynamic between you and Ballard? And this is the second time you've had him this year, if I'm not mistaken. You had him after the season, uh, and now you have him during camp, I, I presume, when you're out there set up under a tent sweating like a maniac. Yeah, you, you guys, that's why I say I'm an entertainer. Like, you guys in the media, you guys in Indiana, they get all mad. When you criticize them, they get all mad. Ballard and I laugh about it. It comes with the territory. Dude, I've been being criticized in newspapers, true story, since I was a senior in high school. I mean, I'm so used to it. Man, these media, you media guys criticize you and you guys cry. Look, Ballard knows it comes with the territory. I know it comes with the territory. In fact, uh, at least according to the text we exchanged, we're going to the Kentucky Derby together, or he's trying to set something up. Look. I walk like a damn man. He walks like a damn man. He knows it's my job. He knows what I'm doing. I know what he's doing. So uh, it's awesome. He sat right next to me. We laughed like crazy. Uh, he complained that my tele my radio show was turned up too loud. So they could. he said, I could hear you at the 50-yard line. So I told my producer, turn it up louder. Uh, yeah, I rip him. My wife kills me. She read an article in The Athletic about what a good dude he is. And he's a great dude. But let's be honest, he's 41 and 41. Let's go. Time to go. But I love the guy. I have a blast talking to him. You know, Paul, in life, you, you, certain people you meet and you're like, yeah, that's great. Uh, we can never be friends. It's going to be nothing more than superficial. With Ballard, it's kind of like, I don't know. 
kind of comfortable, kind of like two dudes that kind of understand it. But man, you reporter guys, you get all upset. It's like nobody's supposed to question you. In my line of work, being a player and a coach, it's all I got was question. Even as a player at Indiana, you're too slow, you're too ugly, your hair's bad, you stink, you can't play. Hey, fine. You just go out and do it. So Ballard's great. I'm fine getting criticized. A lot of those guys are are, uh, thin-skinned, or they fake like they're okay with it, but they're not really okay with it. I've got some, some here that are okay with it sometimes, but then when it comes time to, to face the music, they, they don't. So I'm glad to hear that Ballard does. But it's not an unusual question. Well, some, then, some of those guys well, walk away from and that. Dan, I'll, no! I'll, I'll say hey. this. We, we're we're, in, a, we're in a city right now that's dealing with A.J. Brown, who was an absolute alpha killer on the field and can't handle any bit of criticism from a fan, from a media member, anything. He keeps tweeting about the Titans, and he got traded from the Titans. He can't leave it alone. So I, I love that you and Chris Ballard hey. are that way. Let's not act like there's not a lot of athletes that play like men on the field that act like babies off the field when they're criticized. There's a lot of well, them out there what, that well, don't think like you. So you're just saying it's not just writers and reporters. Oh, it's absolutely. Now, is there a bigger percentage <laughs> of media members that are babies about it? Absolutely. But are there a lot of athletes that are babies about any negative coverage or coaches or GMs? There are a ton out there that are just oh, like that. Hey, I understand. And let me tell you, we're going through it out of the blue here in Indianapolis. Two days ago, Victor Oladipo, former Indiana star, pay, all of a sudden, he's taking shots at the Pacers organization. And I'm like, wait a second here. Like, he's my brother, Indiana basketball brotherhood, all that kind of happy horse bleep. Ah. Oh, He's comparing himself with Paul George. Look, I get exactly what you're saying. I do. And I, I'm sorry if I offended, but I'll tell you this. No, Ballard, I legitimately believe this because whenever I interview him, he's always next to me. It's in studio. It's in person. And I always say this. People can fool you on the phone. They can fool you in text. They can fool you when we're talking on the phone. But... One of the things you learn as a coach, and maybe you do it as a media guy too, I don't know, but one of the things that I learned as a coach is to read face, read eyes. And Ballard, to me, is one of those guys that is very secure, that doesn't need anybody's approval, doesn't really care about anybody's disapproval, understands how to play the game, understands that, hey, look, you got a job to do, and I honestly believe this. I think you're absolutely right. Let me tell you one thing. There is no bigger baby group than coaches. None. I told my last conversation with Bob Knight. We were at ESPN. He's my coach, right? I I played for him. I I coached with him 16 years. I didn't respect him at the end of our relationship because of how he handled things. But he's telling me something about how, well, you know, there should be more coaches on the NCAA committee selection. We don't have any coaches. I go, coach. I go, you all are the biggest babies in the world. Like, I go, Coach, I worked for you for 16 years. Murray Bartow was a graduate assistant for two years. You dislike me so much, and I dislike you so much, that if my team and Murray's team came up against each other, you wouldn't even look at the record. You'd put Murray's team in. That's how big of babies coaches are. No question about it. Everything offends, everything. And Ballard is just, 
he's just a different guy. He's just and, and Tony Dungy was too. Tony Dungy, shoot, he gives to my bikes program. He's gonna come on our show next week. And I killed him. He didn't care. Well, what are you look, gonna do? It, it's gonna take a heck of a lot more to offend us. You you didn't offend us at all. I'm just saying that there are definitely athletes that don't think like you think when it comes to criticism, and they don't think like Chris Ballard does. I'll give you an example of this and a question I wanted to ask you about. Kevin Durant. Now you got the situation where he goes to London and meets with the owner of the Nets and just says, it's me or it's the GM and the coach that you have right now. You can't have both. And now, hey, I want to be traded to the Celtics, you know, the, the, the team that made it to the finals in the East. Is Kevin Durant one of these big babies that we're talking about? Kevin Durant is the poster child for the big baby. Look, if I'm the guys running the Brooklyn Nets and Kevin Durant comes to see me, and I, I, I swear to you, I swear to God, I'm not trying to be old school tough guy. I'm not. I'm just, I'm thinking logically here. Kevin Durant comes to me. He's going to make $40 million for us. He's got like three or four more years on a contract. Now, logic tells me I've got hand here. He's got no hand. Don't play. What the hell? What's the difference? We're making the playoffs anyway. We weren't any good. Play, you're going to make $40 million. I swear to you, my thing would be, Kevin, I get it, man. You chose to come here. You chose to play with Irving. You chose to play with Harden. We sold this to our fans. We sold this to our sweet holders. We sold this to our sponsors. Brooklyn is what? The third, fourth largest city in the country. We made a big deal out of this. And we love you. We're loyal to our players. But I got to tell you, Kevin, this is bigger than you. This is your agreement. I understand you like to walk away, but we're not letting you do it this time. You got to do what you got to do. But I don't understand. I, I really don't. I don't understand how, like in your city, all right, the one thing that people say about Mike Vrabel is he's really big on accountability. All right? Well, he's won. I'm sure some players don't like him. Well, why is Belichick won? Really big on accountability. Golden State in basketball, why do they win? Their players are such that they can get on each other, play beautiful basketball, play bad basketball, yell and scream at each other and figure it out. I don't understand why more organizations don't view the Titans or the Patriots or Golden State or you name a baseball, hell, the, the, the Dave Roberts with the Los Angeles Dodgers and the Cardinals organization has done it for years. I don't understand, like, who really has won by giving in to a player ultimatum? Like, I don't think any teams do. So I got to sit there and say, Kevin, logic tells me we love you. The worst thing I'm going to do to you as your owner is make you play basketball for $40 million. This is bigger than – Kevin Durant is the exact poster child for the whiny blanking athlete. He left Golden State. He left – now he wants to leave the Nets. He left OKC. Where he goes, he gets mad. He left. He leaves. And I'm telling you, somebody, in my opinion, somebody needs to think bigger than just an individual player in that Nets team and say, Kevin, we love you. Here's our coach. Here's our GM. Here's your money. Let's go, fellas. You seem to be unconcerned with Bill Belichick's offensive staff, um, which is made up of a, 
at the top, a defensive guy and a special teams guy. Is that just your overall faith in Belichick always figuring it out? Um, or is there more to it than that? I talked to Mike Lombardi about it, and he's like, you know, Belichick, and maybe you know different, Paul. I don't pretend to know everything. Well, yeah, I pretend to. Belichick, to me, uh, will figure it out. But I will say this. Belichick, how long do you go before you say that this divorce was completely one-sided? Right now it is. And at some point, I believe, Belichick's got to win something meaningful. At some point, I believe Belichick... And I don't know. May, may, you know, Mike Lombardi told me, he goes, yeah, he doesn't really, he doesn't really put uh, titles on guys. He never really has. Don't be surprised if Belichick isn't calling the plays. This will all work out. And I saw where Mac Jones said, look, I'm always going to figure it out. I don't know. I, I have tremendous faith in, faith in Belichick, but not as much faith as I had in Belichick a few years ago. I don't think that this operation – What's the right word? Has near the cachet as when it had Tom Brady and Belichick. And I got to tell you, as a guy that's been through a divorce, it ain't always great for the guy in the divorce. Costs a lot. Divorces aren't 50-50. And right now, I got to tell you, man, Tom Brady is kicking the living you-know-what out of Belichick if you just look at the success post-breakup. So, yes, I believe in Belichick, but it ain't as much as it would have if you'd asked me two years ago. So the tweet of the day is not Mark Stoops responding to what John Calipari said about Kentucky being a basketball school. That now goes, Dan, to Max Duffy, who is a former Australian punter for Kentucky football, who just now tweets out, completely out of the blue question, but has the Kentucky football team ever lost to St. Peter's? Now that is a great tweet from the punter who now runs some sort of punting school in Kentucky, Ohio, and Indiana. Uh, great stuff there from Max Duffy. By the way, there's been some Kentucky football players who've gone after Kentucky basketball, and those tweets have been deleted. I'm sure they've been ordered to delete them, but saying how we run the bluegrass, we win more than you do, going after Kentucky basketball – uh, Dan, I'm with you. That's not a battle. That's not the hill to die on for Kentucky football. They're not going to win that battle with Kentucky basketball fans when you're looking at the fan base and what they care more about. There is no way they do. And I got to tell you, um, I don't mind them doing it. But guys, come on, man. Kentucky basketball is a big deal. Now, you guys know and I know. H- how do you win that battle? Huh? You win that battle by freaking winning some games, right? I mean, you could also say Kentucky football's never won their division. Like, you got to win something to talk some smack. It can't always be what the other guy didn't win. But I got to tell you, man, Indiana fans, soon as it gets going, Purdue and Indiana, what do they bring up? St. Peter's. Kentucky football, <laughs> what do they bring it up? St. Peter's. <laughs> It's not hey, gonna go away. The little school in New Jersey caused some havoc in major in major basketball world, baby. Shaheen Holloway gave a lot of fuel to the fire for everyone that wants to make fun of Kentucky from now to eternity. <laughs> yeah. There's there's no doubt about it. Hey Dan, appreciate you helping on. Best of luck with the charity tonight and the event you have going on. Plug it one more time, what you're doing. I, I know it's a great cause and it's near and dear to your heart. Yeah, well, my wife and I started a charity called Docket Cycles for the City, and we give away, our goal this year is 300 bikes uh, to kids. And tonight there's a basketball league, uh, Indy City, uh, Indy, our Indy Summer Basketball League has their finals, 
And what they do, I didn't do anything. They just listen to my show and want to get involved. We're giving away 31 bikes, locks, uh, and helmets to kids tonight. And I'm fired up about it. And then we have a big giveaway coming up, about 150 bikes coming up in a week. Again, we, uh, the goal is 200 to, uh, excuse me, 350. IndianaSportsCorp.org. And you hit Inspire Sports and you see Dockage Cycles. And uh, it's awesome, man. And the look on kids' faces is stunning. It's the best thing ever. Dan, Good luck. You're, Dan, you're the man. We appreciate you. Thanks, guys. Dan Dockich, always bringing the fire. Not going to offend us, Paul. No. Uh, when, when, we're, when we come back at him with something, I hope he understands that, that this, is a, this is a give and take type of show also. So no problems at all with anything Dan said uh, in response to your question. Dan, always bringing it on Don't At Me on the Outkick Network as well. We're going to continue bringing it with our NFL preview with Outkick 360. We're going to continue in the AFC West Raiders-Chargers discussion. That's coming up next. This is Outkick 360. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome back. Our OutKick 360 NFL preview continues. We're going to the second half of the AFC West today. And we start with the Las Vegas Raiders. Some big-time additions to this team. Josh McDaniels in as head coach. Devontae Adams, one of the greats in the game, wide receiver, and a former college teammate at Fresno State with Derek Carr. He's in. Chandler Jones on the edge. Rocky Yassine at cornerback. Not a great addition. Some big losses. Yannick Ngakwe, Casey Hayward. Uh, Mark that. But, Paul, I look at this Raiders team and um, – I think Hunter Renfro in Josh McDaniel's system is a guy to watch. We've seen the Patriots offense utilize that shifty slot type receiver and have some huge numbers with those guys. That's Hunter Renfro's strong suit. I think that's big. I mean, they added an absolute game wrecker on each side of the ball in Devontae Adams and Chandler Jones on offense and defense. Um, Defensively, though, Third defensive coordinator in three years now with Patrick Graham coming in. Going to be more of a 3-4 defense, so some question marks there. Look, Renfro, Adams, and Waller, you know, you could take that three-pack and and compete with any three-pack in the league. I, I think it's phenomenal. You have to remember, though, just how well things went for the Raiders last year. I mean, you could start at the end and say how, you know, that stupid timeout that the Chargers took in a game that decided the playoff spot where a tie would have gotten both teams in, but they took a timeout. It positioned the Raiders to go ahead and win that game, take the playoff spot for themselves, leave the Chargers out. They went into the playoffs and they, and they lost to the Bengals um, who, who had a pretty substantial lead. The Raiders scored a little bit late to, to make it close. But the Raiders, listen to some of these numbers, Chad. And it was a really challenging year. They had a lot go wrong. Gruden, 
um, the, the, the fiery, uh, drunken driving crash, another guy Henry with, Ruggs, with, yep. with guns. Uh, I mean, it was a mess. Rich Passaccia, we talked about, did a phenomenal job holding that team together and getting them in the playoffs. They had four overtime wins, tied for the most in league history with the 2011 Arizona Cardinals. They were 5-1 and one in field goal games. They were seven and two in one score games. Now the uh, the analytics people say that those games are bound for regression. I make the case, you know, in in the case of the Tennessee Titans, the Titans have won close games for two years in a row. I think that some good teams just get good at winning close games, and that's a a hallmark of a good team that you can win close games, and you could do it multiple years in a row because you're a good team who wins close games. I don't know if the Raiders quite qualified for that and not. They scored, uh, they gave up over 41 twice. They gave up, in addition to that, over 31 three times. After week nine, they were minus 79 in, in uh, score differential. Rocky Sin, you're talking about, terrible player in Indianapolis Uh, him for Casey Hayward I don't like at all and I think a lot of people are presuming that Josh McDaniel's second act is just going to be good we're giving him the benefit of the doubt I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt that it'll be better than it was in Denver because it was terrible in Denver he also acknowledged his errors in Denver in that press conference said I learned a lot about what not to do the first go-round, that's a good sign yes. that he's not coming into this blind. And I think he can run a good offense, but I don't know if he's a good CEO or not. There have been lots of good offensive coordinators who weren't good CEOs in terms of the job of a head coach, so we don't know about that yet. We can't pretend to know about that yet. Rich Basaccia was a pretty good CEO with all of the crazy stuff that was going on there. I think that this, in many ways is probably the worst roster in a very good division. Um, so I, I like Carr more than a lot of people do. I like those three guys he's throwing to. But uh, their red zone rate on defense, they gave up 77% touchdowns when opponents got in the red zone. That's where the improvement's got to start from. Yeah, I mean, I like the roster. Uh, we talked about Adams and off, on offense, Waller, what they have there. It's not a bad roster, the, but the they're three better is, rosters. The maybe. quarterback is probably the worst from a talent perspective in that in that division. I would say, which is a shame because I mean, yeah, he's a good quarterback, but I mean, Russell Wilson. To me, it's between him and Herbert in terms of who's the worst quarterback in that division. Herbert, and I would take terrific. Herbert. Um, so th- th- that's that's a disadvantage for them defensively. You've got uh, – you're bringing in Chandler Jones. Max Crosby had the fourth highest pressure rate in the NFL a year ago. So that's on each side. You're getting after the quarterback. Here's an X factor. Their secondary is – For the Raiders. Secondary is a question mark. Linebacker, they're okay. They signed some free agents in the middle of the defense on the defensive line. That, that should help. Cleland Furl has been a bust. Total. He was the fourth overall pick. He gets a chance at a restart in a 3-4 defense under Patrick Graham. So if they're going to elevate, Cleveland Furl is going to be a big part of that, I think. That, that's a guy to watch that does he make the most of a second chance because he's been a bust so far for the Raiders as the fourth overall pick. And he's a legacy of um, 
I'm seeing his face, and I'm I'm not thinking of his name right now. The NFL Network guy who became Gruden's GM, Mike Mayock. Mike Mayock. Yep. He's he's Mike Mayock's big legacy guy, really. Uh, who went second in the draft, third in the draft when most people had fourth, eighteenth. He was the four. I think the fourth pick in the draft. But again, three defensive coordinators: Paul Gunther, Gus Bradley, and now Patrick Graham. Yeah, three in three years isn't going to help anybody. Time for things to settle. Max down. Crosby's been fine. I think Chandler Jones is going to be fine. Is this third defensive coordinator a charm, at least for a Cleveland Furl who's, who's been disappointing If they so continue to win close games, they'll prove to me that they're a, a good team who can sustain that. And if they don't, they'll, they'll prove the analytics people right in terms of the regression. Four overtime wins, that's, that's pretty crazy good. Let's move on to the Chargers now. So we continue My with beloved. the AFC West. Paul's beloved chargers i was out on them a year ago making the playoffs they were right there with a chance we talked about that game against the raiders didn't happen good roster i love zion johnson just a solid player in the draft that's a plug and play guy at guard i love the it's not on the screen right now because he's a fourth round pick and not someone you think of mealy isaiah spiller is going to be a good running back in the nfl love that for the chargers they lose justin jones defensive tackle um some other losses as well, but Paul, when I, I look at this Chargers team, uh, it's really just kind of about getting out of their own way. You mentioned the mistake with the timeout by Brandon Staley. I think Brandon Staley, who I like for the most part, can become a victim of o- overthinking things, and I think that's sort of the new way of, of, of coaching and analytics and looking at the game, but there are times where you don't make the obviously right decision because you're overthinking the numbers, and maybe Brandon Staley is a victim of that at times. He is, and uh, he'll probably continue to do that. There'll be questionable calls, and there will be calls that pay off in their favor in a big way. But their ads were phenomenal. Khalil Mack, Sebastian uh, Joseph Day, who was with Staley with the Rams and who's a really good run stopper, addresses uh, in a very big way their run defense problems austin johnson who was once here with the titans another good run stopping player jc jackson in uh at corner who is a phenomenal player now paired off with asante samuel jr and another free agent bryce callahan who's at nickel that makes for great cornerback play and then uh kyle van noy more of a bit guy but, I mean, that is a, a big haul of defensive free agents that are really going to help you in a big way. They also added rookies, um, Jasir Taylor, JT Woods in the secondary, a thorough rebuilding to go with Joey Bosa, already a huge star on defense. I really like what they did. And then look at their schedule. I mean, they are playing some really bad offenses. We mentioned Houston, yesterday they've got that stretch of like six out of seven games that look very favorable for them. But just overall on their schedule, Houston, Atlanta, Jacksonville, Cleveland, Seattle, San Francisco, Miami. Are these offenses, are these quarterbacks in particular scaring you? There are seven right there. Herbert, first player in NFL history, Chad, with 30 touchdowns in his first two seasons. First player in NFL That's history crazy. with 30. He's going to throw 30 touchdowns again, maybe more. Their offensive coordinator needs to open things up. Joe Lombardi, too conservative with a quarterback of this caliber. 
He don't throw down the field often enough, and he's got plenty good enough guys in Keenan Allen and in Mike Williams to go. Gerald Everett taking over as the primary tight end. They've got to stretch the field more. We know how well they can do with short stuff, particularly with Austin Eckler. Um, they've got offensive weapons. Stretch the field more, please. Paul, what would your level of surprise be if this team does not make the playoffs this year, even given that they're in the toughest division in football? I will be more surprised if they don't make the playoffs than I will be if they're in the Super Bowl. I like it. I will be championing my dislike of this team if they don't make the playoffs. They are but I'm the, with you. I think this is, the, to, to me, this, this is a good breakthrough year candidate. For the Chargers to me, this year. second most favorite to the Super Bowl to the Bills. All right. Out of the AFC. So you've got Bills, Chargers, that order in the, in the power rankings of the AFC. Got a, a game uh, tonight between the Ravens and the Titans. And we're going to talk a little bit about the Titans' perspective. When you draft a quote-unquote developmental quarterback, like the Titans did with Malik Willis in the third round, someone who could be the future of the position for your franchise, how do you go about handling that in the preseason? The Titans say, we're going to start the kid and see what he has against a Ravens defense that in the past has blitzed and game-planned in the preseason. That's how you get to a 20-plus game preseason win streak, is your game plan. So we'll discuss what that might look like when we come back. This is OutKick 360 on the OutKick Network. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Final segment, Outkick 360 on a Thursday. Chad Withrow, Paul Kaharski with you live in our 6th and Peabody studios. Paul, I know we're going to be watching this tonight. Titans at Ravens. Preseason game number one. Um, I feel like you have to go through the tutorial every year to talk about what to watch, what not to watch, what to get excited about or not get excited about. The bottom line is there's very little to take away from these games other than specific players and specific matchups at points throughout the game. And in the case of the Titans tonight, there's a pretty big storyline with Malik Willis getting the start in this game and I'm sure getting a lot of reps. Yeah, Teron Davenport first reported, I confirmed it and added that Traylon Burks will definitely be playing. Um, you never know who's, who's playing, who's held out. Uh, Malik Willis starting, to me, means he gets the whole game unless something goes wrong. Logan Woodside, the, the number two, uh, you would have figured would start. Look, Malik Willis is probably going to have a couple plays that will get everybody going crazy, and he's probably going to have a couple plays that make you wonder what the hell he's doing in an NFL preseason game. Um, and a lot of it will be based on what the Ravens are and aren't doing, and everybody will lose control of the context on the good stuff, right? Uh, he'll be anointed by Titans fans as a Hall of Famer, and some people – We'll, we'll be talking about him replacing Ryan Tannehill based on uh, him escaping the pocket and running for I will say, yards. though, I think that the, the Titans NFL market is maturing a bit 
when it comes to preseason we'll reaction. We'll see. We'll see I think tomorrow. It's, I think they've had some seasoning, and we've seen a little bit of a difference. We'll see tonight on Twitter uh, with some of the reaction. Yeah, we'll I'm sure, discuss. But, that'll be a big discussion yeah. point for us tomorrow. Um, but I think it's getting a little bit more mature when it comes to that, not overreacting one way or the other. Yeah, but there will be a guy. It, it, look, it overreacts every year to a running back. Uh, who was the guy last year? Sergeant. Uh, Makai Sargent. Sargent, who's now in somebody else's camp. And last year, everybody thought the guy should be on the roster because he ran well in the fourth quarter against third stringers. And tonight, that could be Julius Chestnut, uh, you know, an undrafted guy out of Sacred Heart um, who, who's going to get carries uh, inevitably in, in the preseason, particularly if they go young and, and don't give the ball to, to you know, low-ranking guys who have some NFL experience. Um, you know, it's a chance for guys like Josh Malone or, or Terry Goodwin, uh, Godwin, who I, who I think will, will, will have a chance to separate himself. Shakur, Shakur Brown will probably play a lot at nickel. Theo Jackson, who's been one of the quieter um, draft picks, um, they just brought in two safeties on Tuesday who haven't had a real practice with the team, Adrian Colbert and Elijah Benton. Um, you know, those guys aren't up to snuff. If they play, they're going to be swimming. So I would think Theo Jackson plays a lot tonight and has a lot of chances to make a play. And then Ryan Stonehouse, the punter who's challenging uh, Brett Kern. Is Kern going to punt or just hold? Ryan Stonehouse has a big leg. The question is his accuracy. So that's another guy to keep an eye on tonight. Yeah, Theo Jackson, um, a local product, Overton High School in Nashville, a late bloomer at Tennessee, didn't really take off to this last year under Josh Heupel where he played their star position and was terrific and earned himself uh, being, getting drafted by the Titans. How do you think the Ravens play this, this preseason game tonight? I'm assuming they're taking a mostly common NFL and Titans approach and not playing many of their regulars in but this I, game. I, I, I would imagine so, but I do think you know when it's third and fourth quarter and there are decisions to be made or chances to do things that put you in position to win the game – they will do more of those things because they've won, what, 20 straight? Um, and so it's a weird record to have, uh, uh, a preseason winning record. But if you have it, why not sustain it if you can't? So it means more to them to collect the W than it does to the Titans or anybody else they're going to see in their three games. Um, so it changes the dynamic in the second half a little bit, I would think, for Baltimore. So um, I'm placing a parlay right now. I am going to go uh, all NFL preseason, Paul. I'm going Ravens minus, let me see the, the latest line, Ravens minus three and a half, and I'm going to go Giants minus three. Look at how you. How about that? Look at you. I'm a real believer in Brian Dayball and how, what they're going to look like in preseason versus what, uh, what Bill Belichick's going to put on the field. It's really admirable. In that game. Your confidence. So – Tomorrow, we have NFL football to talk about to some extent with these two games and what we see. I think from the Titans' perspective, Malik Willis is going to be the story one way or the other tomorrow with this team. Just how the Giants look based on terrible camp reports so far with them is going to be a storyline. And then we get to look forward to tomorrow night. Is there going to be news coming down to Sean Watson? If not, we're going to see him start. Uh, for Cleveland, and you're going to see Trevor Lawrence start for Jacksonville. Is that the biggest preseason matchup to watch for the the weekend, really the opening weekend of preseason football? I have to be honest, I haven't looked at the slate. 
But yeah, you give me two starting quarterbacks and one who hasn't played in uh, in a year, um, who can transform a team and got two hundred and sixty million dollars guaranteed. Yeah, I, I'm gonna predict that that's the biggest storyline coming out of the weekend. Should Major League Baseball have scheduled the Field of Dream game for last night, or are they smart to take on a a, a night with two NFL preseason games? So. Last year, I said in the beginning, but last year, that's the hot, most watched regular season Major League Baseball game since 1998. I don't remember it, it being on against the NFL. It was I know huge, it wasn't on against the Titans. Yeah, I think the Titans played on a Friday night. I, I believe it was a Thursday night game, just like last year. Uh, I don't know. We'll see. I, I, I would rather just stay away from the NFL altogether. Yeah, I watched last year's night. start to finish, but my team was in it. Yeah, but I also think you know preseason NFL football is typically a local thing. It's almost like a baseball game in that your local markets will watch locally. Um, I don't know. We'll, we'll see tomorrow. We'll also see how two losing teams will do in this game. They had the benefit of last year having two teams that went to the playoffs that were really good teams, So, or at least in the pennant chase at the time. You don't have that this, this time with the Reds and the Cubs. So that'll be something to watch. What I know about the NFL preseason schedule, there's two games tonight. There's a few more tomorrow. There's a bunch on Saturday. There's one on Sunday. That's all I know. I just know the number of games each day. I have not looked to see who's playing whom each game, other than obviously Browns and uh, Jags tomorrow. Uh, fun show today. A lot of fun. Fast. Went very Things fast. Are moving fast. We're, we're hoping tomorrow's show is going to be fast-paced as well. Bobby Carpenter is going to join us tomorrow. We're going to talk with either Brent Hubs or Austin Price tomorrow as well. Lots more football talk to get into as we go into a football weekend, at least one NFL preseason perspective. Bam! I ordered my pregame pizza. Boom. Paul? Don't block the box! And be sure, please, please, to lock your locks.